The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, welcome back to yet another edition of Afternoons with Mike and on the line with me, my good friend from Gainesville, Phil Corson, who is the senior pastor at Abundant Grace Community Church and a man with whom I worked for 17 years from 02 to 2019. He's on the line with me. Welcome back, Phil. Hey, Mike. It's good to be back, man. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, it's always a pleasure and a joy. We love you and Cindy so much. Well, we love you and Kay as well, and it's always so much fun to get to see you, and we just recently had that kind of opportunity where Cindy and I drove up and got to be at your house and hang around with some really good friends who are moving away from the area, but it was just a delight to get up there. And and man, during this time of year, there's a big difference temperature-wise between now where you are and where I am even. Two hours yeah, makes a big difference. It, it is. You know, when you start moving north and you get out of Orlando, start going more toward that Georgia border, uh, it gets a little bit cold. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, Mike, you, you're being real humble, man. You should let your listeners know that you are the ping-pong champion, man. Oh. You've got, <laughs> you're showing your ping-pong skills and abilities that they party and uh we were all amazed oh man get out of here that's that was too much fun i i was moving that fast only because of how cold it was outside and i wasn't ready for it man (laughs) that's right it gave me extra motivation that's right trying to warm up that's it trying to keep loose get these old bones working there yeah, it, yeah. it was a great day and a, a good opportunity to get together with friends that, I, you know, we just don't always get to see some of those folks that were there that day. And what a fun thing it is. And, you know, that's just like the kingdom of God, isn't it? I mean, just the the broader picture of relationships, we have an opportunity to live for the kingdom of God. And I just love it when we get back together. It's like we were never apart. Yeah, it really is. You know, I mean, even though we come from, you know, different backgrounds and and uh, different lifestyles, even now we have a common bond around Jesus Christ, and that's the thing that brings us together and and makes you know the body of Christ even amazing. You know, it's it's not uniformity; it's unity amongst diversity, and uh, it's just really is amazing to see what the Lord does in, in bringing people together. Phil, you know, we're both uh, observers. You've always been one. In fact, when it comes to sports, uh, you get to, uh, you watch things from a different perspective than do I. You're much more aware of things that are going on in the sports world. So when I want a, an opinion about something, you're the first person that comes to mind. But you're also <laughs> one that watches the news in general. And was Monday night's caucus in Iowa, was any of that a surprise to you or did you see that one coming? No, I, I think everybody saw that one coming. I, you know, the, I think the big question was that coming into it was, is would Trump get over 50 percent of the vote? Yes. Um, you know, um, I assumed that he would. I, I know that, uh, you know, DeSantis and Nikki Haley would probably take about, you know, anywhere from 35 to 40 percent of the vote. And then the other guy, um, you know, he would take probably anywhere from four to six percent of it and then the remaining part. So I, I kind of thought he would take over 50. And I think he ended up with 51 or 52 percent. Yeah. Which I was a very strong showing. The media is always going to try to drive an opposite narrative. Most people are not listening to mainstream media today anyway, so they don't trust them. I think you're right. I think there's a bunch of people that are rather fed up right now, not only at the mainstream media, but also our own government. It it just seems every day, I mean, the latest thing that uh, honestly, Phil, it, it almost gave me a headache when I read it about this attempt by the current administration to bring on people with some what would be described as fear, fairly serious problems emotionally and, and maybe even intellectually. I'm not sure. And bringing yeah. them in as airline 
controllers. I mean, what yeah. air traffic controllers? What could go right. wrong with that, Phil? Yeah, you know, yeah. Once you you have the mindset that it can't get any worse, or it would not get any more crazier, and then things like that begin to happen, and you just begin to just scratch your head. You know, um, I, I just I don't understand it. Um, you know, this is where Mike. We believe that God is sovereign and he's in control of all things. And, uh, you know, that uh, he knows uh, more than we do. And so I, in this process, I just trust that these, you know, the Republican House will be able to stop some of this craziness that he's trying to attempt to do. And hopefully maybe some of the senators behind it would just see the fallacy and, and um, you know, be able to overturn anything that he does on, along these lines. You know, I'm hearing some talk, and I don't know exactly how this would all shake out, but Trump has said if he gets back in that a lot of these illegals that have come over the border and there, no one really knows how many millions of people have already done that, but there have been words spoken that there's going to be a massive deportation. Do you think something like that would ever happen in our country, I mean, what this thing with airlines, air, air traffic—that's just one of the many things that just causes people's heads to sc- start itching, and they scratch them and they go like, "I can't figure why they would ever do something like that." What about this thing right. about massive deportation? Do you think that would happen? Uh, I, you know, I, you know, I just don't know. You know, um, you know, I'm sure uh, that you know. One thing I do know is these cities where the governor of Texas is shipping these, um, you know, people over to Chicago and New York and various, quote, sanctuary cities, uh, it's having a significant impact on those cities. Yeah, it is. And, and it's bringing it, the, the issue of this immigration to even a national level. People were, oh, is that just Texas? But now that he's shipping them off to these various cities and they're having to fund these people, uh, give them free room and board and all this stuff. They, I think that has got to end uh, because you just can't continue to print money uh, as the government and not cause the inflation that we're getting. And that's all. And I, I just don't know, Mike, if, if, the govern, if the government knows how, I don't care who's in office, I just don't know if the government knows how to not to stop printing money. It, that's the issue. Yeah, yeah. and you're right. It's been on both sides of the aisle of that problem. Right. Although, right. I will say that in the last three years, it's kind of jumped to another level, the next level craziness that's gone on. But yeah, uh, it, it that's, that's why you know that's why we have the inflation numbers that we had. You know, yeah. I mean, when you when you keep printing money, you're going to get 11 percent, you know, inflation on everything. And yeah, he's cooled it down a little bit. The Fed is trying to do that by uh, raising the rates, but it's just one of these things that you look at and you think, is this going to be effective? Because I don't know about you, man, but every time I go to the grocery store, my <laughs> what we're buying is less and less. Oh, and that's, oh that's yeah. That's a issue. Yeah, Cindy and I went to Costco just recently, and we got what seemed like, you know, maybe – uh, not even a, a cart full of, of uh, items, uh, very few items, uh, under 10 and walked out of there with $200 out of the pocket. I mean, that yeah. really hurts. I mean, that's that's uh, just, uh, just under ha- uh, half, uh, uh, again, as to what it would have used to have cost for those same items. So it's, yeah. it's doubled. I mean, really, some items have doubled. And they yeah. are, from what I understand, some items, depending on what you're buying, it actually right. has the feeling of being tripled, as, and that's not going away anytime soon, according to what we're seeing. Yeah, and I, I just think that's, you know, I just don't know. And, you know, um, you know I, I, I'm amazed that we've made it this far, mm-hmm. uh, given all the things that's happened. Uh, I don't, I, I, I think the printing of the money is propping up the economy. But um, eventually, it, it it just it's got to give, you know, one way or another. People are going to start losing jobs. People are, you know, the things that I'm reading 
as far as people using their credit cards more and more, things along those lines because of everything being so expensive. It's just it's heartbreaking, you know, as we as we watch this take place. And I know personally my wife and I are trying to to uh, bring up, you know, make sure that we are saving money and mm-hmm. preparing for the unknown, you know, but but uh, we'll see what uh, I think this 2024 election is going to be a big election. And then it's just a matter of what what are people interested in? I know we're all called to be stewards of what God has given us. And this is yeah. a time, isn't it, to p- kind of put away uh, as much savings as one can and in your retirement accounts, I mean, this is not a time to just say, oh, that'll come later. This is a time to it, really work at that, right? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, and, and I, I, anytime you can start, it's always a good time. But you should have started about two years ago, you know, <laughs> right. and because it, it just seems to not, it just, every with every turn, uh, it just seems to get, you know, uh, worse and worse. And like I said, until these guys learn to stop printing money, um, it's not going to get any better. Yep, I agree. Well, you know, this is going to be an interesting couple of weeks ahead of us. Next Tuesday, another major stop, New Hampshire's primary will take place. Then uh, just a couple of weeks later, it's going to be South Carolina's turn. And those two added with Iowa make up like those early three, and there's a lot of changes traditionally that happen after these three. Any thoughts that you have going in? Do you see any surprising changes? Do you feel that the former president is in firm grips of everything going forward, or do you think there's room for a surprise? No, I I, I think it's, um, you know, I was, reading a, a, just a brief article by Newt Gingrich. And, uh, I mean, he, he just says the nomination is Trump's. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard you know, him say that I, last night. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then even the, uh, the representative from New York, um, uh, forgot her name off the top of my head, but she also just said, hey, it's clear from the results last night that he's the nomination. So let's everybody drop out. And let's get behind them and defeat Biden. And, and uh, I, I don't look for much to, even though Nikki Haley was the governor of South Carolina, uh, I don't think she's going to win South Carolina. I think Trump will. Um, you know, I, I, and I think the same thing goes with DeSantis in Florida. I mean, I think Trump is just, uh, you know, he's just got a good working machine and people tend to love him and get behind him. So it's going to be tough for anybody to come in and and um, I think he is clearly the front runner for the Republicans. What advice do you have for believers who may not make, uh, would not think that he would be ma- their first choice, but if he is indeed the nominee, what what advice do you give people to consider as to how they should mitigate all that? Uh, Mike, that's a great question. You know, first of all, um, you know, in, in Florida, in our primary, you know, me personally, I, I'm really wrestling with you know, who to vote with, vote for. Right now, I'm leaning toward, you know, DeSantis only because of there's just certain elements uh, with the former president that I just, you know, don't agree with. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, but if he is the Republican nomination, uh, then more than likely I will, you know, end up voting for who, whatever the Republican is, whoever the Republican is, is, will get my vote. And, um, you know, and I look at it because I've seen what that mindset does over these last four years when we don't get out and vote. And uh, so we we have to vote, um, you know, like I don't vote personalities. I vote policies. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's that's how I vote when I vote. I look at the policy of the individual and what they have and what they can do. And does it fit with some of my convictions and some of my biblical beliefs. And then, you know, and then the big thing for me has always been, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess you would deem me as a super voter. I tend to vote in everything. And, uh, but, you know, because that's a wonderful God-given responsibility that I believe we have as Christians. But, you know, um, you know, one of the big things for me is, 
what type of Supreme Court and federal justices are you going to choose? I think those are those are huge qualifications right. of what I'm for and um, the person that I'm going to vote for. Because really, you know, I mean, in the providence of God, I mean, I think the former president had, you know, three That's people right. that yeah. he nominated to the court. And uh, that those three have played a significant part in some ways to uh, interpret the constitutionally the constitution correctly. And, uh, and I think that has saved us from going down a, a even deeper and darker pathway than we could have been. I agree. And you know, the one Supreme court justice named and put in since president Trump was there uh, does not know the difference between what a real woman is. <laughs> so when you, when you, you know, when asked to define a woman, she's not a, a biologist or whatever that was, whatever her answer said. I mean, that yeah, but, that's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah. When she gave that answer, I, I just said, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. You know? Right. So, but any way that you can, you know, uh, skirt an answer, you know, not just to, you know, slide by without, and to say that I'm not a biologist, it's like, yeah, you don't have to be. Just look at the science. That's right. It's very clear. It's always good to get a pastor's viewpoint on these things. And I know that you have to do the same thing that every one of us has to do. We all need to be involved. We all need to be voting. We all need yeah. to care enough to at least search out what we can find about the candidates that are going in. And one thing, Phil, that I just had on my program yesterday, uh, a person who is involved in the uh, the whole election process and, and really a key person to, to get recruitment going of future uh, candidates. One thing that we all need to be doing is praying about uh, running. There's a lot of people, a lot of young people out there that are qualified and they care and we need yeah. people who are of conscience and originalists with regard to the constitution to actually right. get involved in the political process. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and I would encourage anyone that um, Wayne Grudem has written a wonderful book called uh, the Bible and politics. And uh, he, he brings out some wonderful uh, dealing with issues throughout uh, um, you know, issues that we face throughout uh, a biblical perspective. But he just talks about the type of level of involvement that we need to be in. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I tend to tell people when they ask me as a pastor, that, that when they say, why are you so, why are you so um, political? And I look at them and say, I'm, I, I'm not political. I, I'm biblical. But when the government tells me that marriage is not between a man and a woman. I said, that's not a political issue. That's a biblical issue. That's right. When, when the, when the uh, Supreme Court justice tells me that she can't define what a woman is, then we've, we've got issue. That's not a political issue. That's a biblical issue. And same thing with abortion, same thing with just various issues of what candidates go through. Yep. And, uh, you know, but when we get the world shoving down our throats of what we and is these things, and it goes against the grains of Scripture. We've got to be bold as Christians to be able to stand and and um, say no, no, this this stop. Let's stop the madness. It clearly goes against what the Word of God has to say, and that's where we've just got to stand on God's Word for these things. I agree completely. My guest today is Phil Carson from Gainesville at Abundant Grace. I'll be back with Phil in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. If you're a Christian business person and you want to meet people who want to do business with you, you need to join the Central Florida Christian Chamber of Commerce. Why? Because the mission of the Christian Chamber is to build kingdom, business, and community. And it all starts with the Christian principle of building relationships. To learn more about the Christian Chamber and all the different ways you can get engaged with hundreds of other Central Florida Christian business people. Visit cfchristianchamber.com or call 407-258-3578. My good friend Phil Corson is, uh, he's He's huddling down in the cold up there in Gainesville. But those poor people in Iowa, I heard one wow. report that the wind chill factor, get this, minus 40. Wow. And they're going out voting. Yeah, I was going to say those people braved the cold and to go out and do what they did was amazing. That is serious commitment right there. Phil Corson, in addition to being the lead pastor at Abundant Grace in Gainesville, 
also is part of the leadership of an organization of churches called Grace Partnership. And I know you have an upcoming conference. Yes, we do. We are very excited about our conference. We, as Grace Partnership, as a movement of churches, uh, we have a, a annual conference in February. And uh, this year, it's February 22nd through the 24th uh, at Metro Life Church in Orlando, uh, Florida, or Castleberry, Florida. Right. That's right. My church. And unfortunately, I'm going to miss the first part of that, uh, hoping to get there by Friday night. But I have the NRB in those same days. Can't believe what this conflict that happens on that. But I, I know you're excited about this particular event, and you've got a special guest. Tell us about him. Yeah, we really do. This this year, uh, our theme is on uh, it's called Bold and Trusted with the Gospel. And we are uh, just felt like the Lord really is calling us as Christians and as churches to be bold. And what we're going to do is uh, talk about the difference between being bold and being courageous. So in, many times they're used synonymously, but there is a difference between the two. And uh, we're going to talk about that. I mean, uh, you know, Proverbs 28.1 talks about that the righteous are as bold as a lion. First uh, Thessalonians talks about that we've been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're just going to break all that down and, and just have sessions around each one of those things and how to cultivate boldness, all of those things. But then uh, we have a very special guest. Uh, his name is Jared C. Wilson. And he's going to be speaking on Friday night and Saturday morning. And uh, he's part of the Gospel Coalition. And uh, he's a pastor. He's a professor. Uh, but like I say many times, uh, I love him because he's a man in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That sounds so exciting. And again, I'm hoping to be able to make that, depending on my travel connections. If there are no delays, then I'll be there on that Friday night. Looking forward to that and taking part of, uh, of uh, his ministry I've never heard him in person before, but he's he's a pretty prolific writer. And speaking of which, you have written a book that is in the process of publishing. Tell us about that, Phil. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's it's funny because I'm hoping to uh, maybe by the conference, or if not by the end of March, uh, to have it printed. And um, it is a book. It's called Bold, and um, it is just doing that very same thing. I guess about five years ago, my son came to me and he said, Dad, what's the difference between boldness and courage? And uh, I just said, you know, son, I don't know the exact difference. I said, but let me study that and get back to you. And mm -hmm. so I did. And out of that birthed really this book that I wrote. And, um, and it was been quite a journey for sure. What's that like? I have not, and now I write a, a column that's up there in Gainesville every week, uh, and I'm now doing it biweekly. But what's it like to sit down with a particular aim as you did? Because as yeah. I remember you telling me initially, it was a very clear direction that you felt the Lord was giving you uh, through that conversation with your son. And then you you actually have a, a one-word theme that you're writing it on. What was that like, that process of writing? Yeah, it was a, the most challenging thing I've ever done, but it was also the most rewarding thing. Because, you know, when you write a book, it's different than preaching a message. And so I've tried to write in a way where I don't come across being preachy and, you know, living, giving more examples, different things along those lines. And uh, but it, it was really a fun experience uh, because as I begin to look into uh, the difference between boldness and courage and why we need to, uh, as Christians, stand firm in the face of intolerance. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's just really going to be, I think, a challenge for us because I just see not just Christians, but even churches and pastors that are not being bold. They're just kind of like, you know, they're just kind of like, well, just I'm not really going to take a stand on this issue or I'm really not going to say anything because I don't want to be canceled in the cancel culture we're in. I deal with that a little bit. Uh, you don't want to be labeled intolerant or ignorant or any of these things, but you know, that's not the way Jesus 
said was going to happen to us. He, mm-hmm. he said, hey, you follow me. And, you know, if, if they did it to me, he said, they're going to do it to you. And so we just might as well anticipate that whenever we take a stand for anything or we're being bold out there sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, get, get ready to be persecuted. Those things are going to happen. Now, when you were writing this book, did you ever have one of those moments that I read about a lot where it's like writer's block kind of sets in and you go, all right, now what do I do from here? Did that happen to you? Uh, you know, it, it, there was a writer's block, but it was a different style. I didn't know what to do. What I did is I wrote, I wrote it and then I read it. And then I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Let me read <laughs> oh, man. So, and so I just be like, oh. This is terrible. Let me rewrite this again. And so it wasn't writer's block, but when I did, what would I what I would do and why I think it took so long to write it is is I would walk away from it, from that chapter for mm-hmm. a period yeah. of time, two weeks, a month, whatever. And then I'd come back with fresh eyes on it and I'd read it again and then I was like, Oh, but I can change this and I can add this and do this and that's that's why it took so long. So yeah, it was you... more of uh not writer's block, but just writer's frustration, <laughs> I guess, is the big thing. Yeah, you were just constantly tweaking it then, huh? Yeah, I really was. And so, you know, uh, chapter one in the book is I deal with uh, the difference between boldness and courage and, and talk about that. Chapter two is uh, I, I say, and I introduce us to our inner coward. We all have an inner coward. And I use the, the story of Peter and his denial of Jesus and so our inner coward, I define our inner coward as the spirit of fear that tempts us to deny Jesus and his word. Wow. And that's what the inner coward is. I don't think and I've so ever I, heard that term before. Yeah. Well, I, I came up with the term. I've never heard it before either, but we, but the, we all have that inner coward inside of us. And so I, then I wanted to define what is this inner coward. And that's where I said, it's that spirit of fear. And then uh, that it's going to tempt us to deny Jesus and deny God's word. Mm. And we're all faced with it. And we're always confronted with this idea every day of what are we going to do? Are we going to stand on God's word and on his promises when we're attacked? Are we going to acquiesce and just kind of not not even be courageous and not even be bold in the midst of it? And then the third chapter is overcoming your inner coward. And then chapter four is what I call, uh, I call it compassionate boldness. Hmm. And uh, I I say that's an oxymoron. It can seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. And I use the the passage out of Peter where he talks about be ready to give a defense for your faith when people ask, but do it with gentleness and respect. Because boldness is not harsh. It's not arrogant. It's standing firm on the gospel and preaching the truth and not trying to, quote, win an argument and beat people over the head and things along those lines. Uh, It's just sharing the truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel message. And so that's what chapter four is. Chapter five, I talk about cultivating boldness and use the passage out of Ephesians six, where Paul says to the Ephesians church, pray for me that the Lord would grant to me boldness to be able to speak with my mouth the words that I need. And I talk about how we can cultivate boldness in our own heart and life. And then the last chapter, chapter six, is called A Bold Message. And it's a message that Jesus preached. It's the message that we as Christians must preach, and that is when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's a bold message. When you when you preach that message or you tell someone that, man, sparks are going to fly, so we got to be ready. You know what I love about it? Even your description, it's very clear, Phil, that you have lived this, you have felt it, you've carried this word. I mean, for you to just be able to, off the top of your head, rattle out what you've just done, that lets me know that this is something that's burned deeply within you. Well, you know, Mike, as pastors, we have, you know this, brother, I mean, you, you were here with me, you, you have stood in the gap with me, uh, you are, you know, when I, when I think of bold men and women, man, and bold pastors, you were right there on the forefront, man. Mm. I mean, you never backed down, you always stood, even when tempted, as I said, tempted to deny Jesus or his word, you never did, man. 
And so been around people like that my whole life. It's been ingrained in me. And we've seen the faithfulness of God and Jesus over the years and how he transforms us and transformed people. And uh, we just cannot acquiesce to the world and it's what they're communicating. We've got to be bold men and women for Jesus. I love it. I agree with you completely. And how cool is it to see a lot of young people that are the next generation coming up and doing that very thing? They're living it. They're working it. God's using them. I think of my own son-in-law, Chris Jesse, who now leads Metro Life Church. I see him yeah. in that category. He's bold. Yes. He's courageous. Uh, he is one that I think is going to be a difference maker. And that's what we need to believe for him. We need to have people in our churches. And thank you for this word. I can't wait to read the book, man. Sounds like it's yeah. going to be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's going to be good, too. I'm you know, I'm just kind of, okay, Lord, I'm writing this out of obedience. I, you know, I don't know if anything will come of it. I mean, we'll see, but, you know, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. I felt like the Lord really wanted me to write this and I'm doing it out of obedience and we'll see what happens with it from there. But yeah, I mean, when it's all printed, Mike, you'll get a free signed copy from me, man. Oh man. Okay. I'll take it. I'll read it. It sounds awesome. Now, before we yeah. go today, I know that you had a missions trip recently. It was um, about a month or two back and it was to Columbia and you were able to go down there with a bunch of other pastors. And these are people that are related to Grace Partnership, right? Yeah. What an incredible time that was, Mike, we had. It was at the end of, it was, uh, we left the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. And it was my desire, the Lord put it on my heart to have a lot of our U.S. pastors that are part of Grace Partnership uh, to go down to Columbia and spend three days, I think it was three nights, four days, with, with pastors from Colombia, we had 26 pastors from Colombia, and we met uh, at a um, uh, at a like a Airbnb type home, and they stayed there. We stayed in another location, and then we'd get meet together all day and just sit around, not teaching, just praying for each other, uh, taking on topics of what pastoral life is like, and. And uh, how do we uh, make sure our marriages are in a good place and our children, how are we caring for them? And, you know, not it wasn't a typical conference. It was just a retreat where we just sat and talked and prayed and, and just got real with each other. And so we had, uh, I think it was six of us U.S. pastors and two wives that came down and um, just had four days together. And then at, when we left on that Saturday, all my desire was was to have the retreat, and then once the retreat was over, then every pastor go to a church that is part of Grace Partnership in Columbia and preach at that church. And so we hit, we were in uh, Bogota, we were in Medellin, we were in Barranquilla, we were in Soledad, I was in Rio Hacha. Uh, I mean, so we just kind of like hit every part of. Bogota, I'm not Bogota, but of Colombia, and just preached on that Sunday. And what my prayer was is, Lord, use the the U.S. pastors to go and not only be there, and we learned so much from our Colombia brothers, but then as they're in these churches, give these pastors a heart that they can take it back to their church here in the States and really carry that banner of what the Lord is doing down there and then connecting relationally with each other. And it was just a beautiful experience because that's what Grace Partnership is about. We're, we're about caring for pastors and churches. Mm. And so we, that's our mission. Uh, it, we were there to equip, but we're there to care. And uh, so I, me, I've been well cared for by pastors that, you know, Danny Jones, who, who invested into me when I was a young pastor, and I really feel that that's a, a calling and a message that the Lord has given me because I've been given so much from men who've poured into my life in my early years mm -hmm. for me to be able to go down and, 
invest into these Columbia pastors and then still me to learn from these guys, and they inspire me. Uh, it's just a wonderful gift from God, and we had a fantastic time. Sounds like you did, and I know that that kind of impartation, when uh, these pastors there in Columbia, when they get a visit from American guys like you, uh, there's no doubt about it, Phil. Our lives, we've been given a richness of experience, and God's given us this wonderful background and opportunities and learning uh, theology from places like RTS. I know that you're a guy, you're one of the most well-read men I know, and uh, you you know books like nobody else. And yeah. when they get around you, I'm sure that it's like getting to really be blessed from God in a real direct way. So thank you for doing that. Oh, man, it was a real joy. You know, Mike, and the great thing is, this is what I love about the people of Grace Partnership Churches. You know, we wanted to make sure that these, because, you know, these Columbia pastors, man, many of them don't take vacation. They don't give time, get away. That whole lax culture, work ethic is strong and alive in these guys. And they're there laboring every day. And so for them to take four days off and just to come and relax and just be in a setting like that, you know, would, would cost them. And the people of our Grace Partnership churches, uh, I think they gave like, uh, I think it was costing about 450 500 bucks per, um, per Columbia pastor for those days that we were there. And uh, we, I think all our churches, I think we gave over, they gave over like thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars. Wow! We got a, we bought books for them. We uh, just in Spanish. We did so many different things because of the generosity of the people in Grace Partnership Churches. Wow, that's so great. Well, I wish you the best. I look forward to seeing you at the conference, even if it's for yep. a session. But I'll get there at least for that. And thanks for being my friend, Phil Corson. Hey, man, Mike, thank you so much. Thanks for taking uh, the time and having me on, man. I really appreciate it. And look, if you're interested in coming to the conference, the Grace Partnership Conference, you can go to gracepartnership.net. And then right there on the conferences, you can sign up. Jared C. Wilson is um, uh, just a fantastic speaker. We're going to have a great time and we'd love to have you with us. All right. Well, we'll be right back right after this. Join host Mike Gilland for The Shepherd at Work every Saturday morning at 10.05 a.m. You will be introduced to a marketplace leader that will help you learn to walk out your faith wherever you live and work. The Shepherd at Work is sponsored by the Central Florida Christian Chamber, building kingdom, business, and community throughout our area. That's The Shepherd at Work this Saturday morning at 10.05 a.m. Okay, we're going to move for this segment down the highway a little bit, down toward Ocala and actually in a community called Oxford. And that is where First Baptist Church and Pastor Andrew Kropp, uh, they bring a program to our shepherd listeners in that area every Sunday morning. And it is a joy to have Andrew on. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. It's always a joy to be with you. Well, I feel the same, and, you know, I, I'm really excited to have you back on the program. I know you've been up here at our studios before. Today we're talking over the phone and, uh, you know, been talking with a lot of folks this past couple of weeks. We're still in that uh, early stage of this brand new year that's going on. And, uh, you know, you live in one of those areas. Oxford is literally adjacent to one of the biggest retirement communities in the nation, probably, I think, arguably the most well-known and uh, talked about, and that would be the villages. And you're right there. I mean, right by it. I mean, I don't know how far uh, the church building would be from uh, what would be the boundary line of the villages, but, you know, you live in this area, and how is this new year being uh, kind of planned out, and what are the things going on in the villages area for 2024. Yeah, 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 you're right. We are uh we're in a unique place where the villages is is right on our doorstep. We could uh we could take a short walk from our our campus and we'd be right at uh, the old Villages Charter School campus. Um the big things going on for the villages is they're expanding 
uh, south quite a bit. So they've opened up a new charter school campus about 30 minutes south of us, and they're continuing to expand the villages as well. And, and the way that impacts our church is, since not a lot of people know where Oxford is, but they know where the villages is, and uh, the villages surrounds us. And so as the village grows, this, this area grows, and new apartment complexes are popping up all over the place, new uh, villages developments are, are coming in as well. So things are... Uh, Things are changing very, very rapidly in the area. And so we're seeing uh, a lot of changes right here where we are because as the villages expand south and as the, the new school was built south, we're seeing some of those families migrate uh, a little bit further south of us now. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it impacts kind of what has now become the northern part of the villages, which is where we're located. Right. Now, I mean, you know, you can't drive up and down the turnpike without seeing that massive overpass that's been built with right. an incredible villages sign. And that has to be one of the most ornate and really well lit at nighttime. It's it's almost magical, man. It's got the Disney touch to it. Yeah, yeah, it does. There's no guessing where you are. <laughs> That's um, so right. you, you, they they make sure you know that you are in the villages when you get there. You know, they're growing on down there close to where the uh, Correctional Institute is down uh, down that direction. I'm just wondering if the villages are going to surround that place. It sure seems like it. It, uh, it seems like they don't have a, a real real uh, plan to, to stop uh, the expansion. So it seems like they're just going to keep on going and surrounding those areas. I know some people think that they're going to try and get all the way to Disney, but who knows about that? Yeah, all I, I know is they, uh, they they definitely keep on building. And so, uh, so again, it, it changes, changes the dynamics for everybody as far as, uh, you know, a lot of the area out here used to be what they say was, uh, you know, cow, cow pastures and, and mm -hmm. watermelon um, fields. And so it's, it's certainly changed as the villages has moved in. Now, you know, when you think about the retirement and Florida is obviously a place where a lot of people want to retire. And yet there are a lot of these snowbirds that come down and want to winter here and then go up into the, you know, what is maybe the less hot communities, places that you wouldn't want to be at in the wintertime, but really nice in the summertime up there. Uh, what is it that factor? Do you think that drew people to that particular area outside of Oxford and and uh, Ocala that maybe added to the popularity of this whole community down there? Oh yeah, absolutely. I really think that that is the case because as the villages grows, we do see that that snowbird population grow as well. And a lot of the pastors that I know in the area. We talk about how, you know, as, as what we call snowbird season comes, when they come during the winter, mm -hmm. uh, we see restaurants get busier, we see stores get busier, churches get busier, and more people come in, and, and those numbers increase as the villages grow. So you're absolutely right. A lot of people come to the villages because during those winter months, it's not just that they can be in the warm weather here, but the villages has all these activities for them. So there's, there's certainly been a big spike, not just in people relocating to Florida, but in doing that that whole snowbird routine where they, they come during those colder months. Now, you've moved into this area. You moved in as a quite a young man, and you're still a young man. And here you are leading this incredibly rich church, rich in history. I, I forget just how many uh, anniversaries you've just crossed over, but it seems like it's about 150, right? I mean, somewhere in there. Yeah, we're getting close. So we just celebrated, uh, I believe it was 144 years. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. We celebrated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 144 so it, years. That's quite yeah. a history, my friend. Yeah, it is. It is. There's been uh, been a lot of things that have gone on, and, and it's neat to still have some members who have been here 60, 70 years, and uh, and they can they can remember a lot of those pastors and a lot of the events that have happened. So it's a blessing to be a part of a a church that's been rooted in the community for such a long time. You know, when you think about the math of that, that means that church was founded somewhere in the 1880s. And, and that's, yeah. you know, you <laughs> it's hard to get our brain around, isn't it? Just the changes and what life would have been like in that time. I mean, honestly, it's all the difference in the world. And yet that fellowship, that community has stood right there in that same area and watched all of life around it change and technologies come and things like uh, the growth of Florida that you, that place has seen it all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was, 
there hadn't been any world wars. There hadn't been so many of the things in the, the technology and all, all the things that have really shaped things. They didn't happen when the church was, was planted. They hadn't happened yet. So you're right that the church has, has stood through all of that, and it's, it's certainly a testament to uh, God's great grace. We try and always remember that we're not here because of anything that we've done, but because God has been very good and gracious to us to allow us to remain. And, uh, and we certainly believe that, uh, you know, being being here, as long as the Lord allows us to remain, our goal needs to be that we would glorify Him in the community and we would share the gospel with others. And I trust that as we continue to do that, um, God will continue to allow us to, to be here in Oxford making an impact for his name. You know, Oxford is one of these communities that prior to the villages, it would have been just another wonderful, smaller Florida community. And a lot of people will refer to these uh, communities as old Florida. You know, when you mm-hmm. head over toward, uh, oh my goodness, over toward the Gulf Coast, the, the, a lot of those areas have remained rather untouched by all of the urban sprawl. And you do still have a chance to kind of get a feel of what it was like maybe 70, 80 years ago anyway. Uh, but uh, Oxford is changing, and uh, yet you guys remain the same, and you're there. And I, I know that 2024 is going to be a big year in our nation. What are you expecting in that area for 2024? It'll be, it'll be interesting. That's, uh, that's, I'm sure that's an understatement. But it'll be interesting to, to see how things go as uh, anytime elections and things like that come around. Of course, there's there's a lot of people who are very, very passionate um, on both sides about that here. So it's always interesting to see how that goes. Um, but there, there are a lot of things going on for people. And, and so one of our big goals this year is just with all the all the different things impacting families uh, the, the last few years and especially coming into this year, We've seen a lot of families, you know, when, when hard times come or when tense times come, they tend to isolate themselves. It used to be that during times like that, we would we would go to church and we would go and, and be with uh, people who would encourage us and point us to Christ. Instead, we see that a lot of people tend to isolate themselves. And so our, our goal this year is to really um, reach out to believers, encourage them to be with the body of Christ, and then to reach out to those who don't know Christ. Um, who don't know the, the hope, the salvation uh, that's found in him. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. Again, I'm, I'm curious to see um, how people respond during, during the times that we're, we're about to face. And my prayer is that they don't respond by isolating themselves, but then instead they choose to respond uh, by seeking out the family of Christ. Right. And, and, you know, that's something that we can all be praying for. I know that uh, the, the impact of so many people moving down and the village is certainly not, uh, not shielded from that kind of growth. As you mentioned, you guys are growing all around and probably going to envelop uh, the whole Oxford area ultimately as well. But when you think about all of the impact of people from the north moving down into what has historically been a rather conservative state, I think a lot of people would still consider Florida a red state right now, especially with our governor and all of that. But these ideas that a lot of the northern cities like in uh, New York or uh, the western cities of California, as these people move on down, are you seeing kind of like the uh, not political so per se, but it is somewhat that kind of a question of a conservative versus liberal uh, impact? What are you seeing happen with kind of the flavor and the feel of the that part of the county there. Well, I've been surprised that uh, where we are because we've well, again we've seen a lot of that uh, that increase of population around here, and I've been surprised that I haven't yet seen there be an, an increase in the tension in the years that I've been here. There's there's always been people on both sides, um, and uh, I agree with you. I'd say that the area has has leaned more conservative. Uh, most likely these, these last uh, the eight years that I've been here. Um, but even so, there are people on, on both sides. And so especially during elections, things can be pretty tense. I am curious to see um, as, as uh, a new election comes up, uh, does, does that change? Has there been um, that big of an increase on, on either side um, that things become more tense? Again, there's always been people very passionate. Things have always been cordial here. And I certainly pray that they they remain that way. Um, but uh, really, that's just one that I feel like only time will tell. I haven't seen it yet, but I think that this this upcoming election will be uh, a way to see, yeah, what what's changed in the area. 
you and your church uh, have the great spot of 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on WRZN, which is at uh, 7.20 a.m. and also 103.5 FM. Every Sunday morning, you're bringing the word. Uh, what kind of uh, sermon series are you in right now at First Baptist? Right now, we're moving through the letters of John. So that'd be the books of First John, Second John, and Third John. Ah, great. So we're in the book of First John right now, and we've been looking at uh, our fellowship with God and how, as Christians, sin strains and hurts that that fellowship we have with Him. And then last week we looked at how, uh, you know, in that fellowship when we remain in fellowship, we're able to live like Christ. And then this week we're going to specifically look at how there are some who who seem to be a part of that fellowship. They're they're close in it but how the reality is that these false teachers, wolves in sheep's clothing, come into churches, and how as Christians do we identify false teaching when it, when it comes into the church? And so that's what we're going to be looking at this week. So we're still in the book of First John as we, we move through these, these letters of John. It's been, been a blessing so far. You know, I love expositional preaching like what you're talking about, where you just go through the book and the Bible speaks itself, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, it comes mm. alive when the word yeah. is preached and you let the goodness of those verses come out. Oh, my goodness. I just think that's outstanding. And you as a young man, I just think you're a great example and a great source for me of hope for the, the generations coming up. Uh, you know, you've got you've got that going on. You've been there eight years already. That's that's got to seem like a long time to you right now. Yeah, it it does, and I appreciate that encouragement. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's been uh, been a blessing. Eight years does seem like a, a long time. Somebody somebody put it recently. They said you've almost been there a decade, and that really made it feel <laughs> feel long. Right. But uh, I'm very very grateful that uh, this church has uh, been been so gracious to me. Being being young as mean uh, means I've made plenty and plenty of mistakes, but been very, very gracious to me, um, very kind and loving. And so it's a, it's a sweet fellowship here. Well, I want you to know, man, it's with a great delight that I encourage people when they when they ask me, do I know a good church in the Villages area? I point them to you. And I just think that you're doing a phenomenal job. And I love the well, church. the world to me. I've been there a lot. I've been there a lot for three times now for your, your homecoming celebrations. And it's just always a delight to be there fellowship with uh, the people there at First Baptist Oxford. And Andrew Kropp, it's a delight for me to have you on the program today. I wish you the very best in this new year. Thank you so much, Mike. It's always a joy to be with you. I appreciate you, brother, and everything that you do. I'm looking forward to talking with you again sometime soon. Give us the website for the church, if you will. Absolutely. The website is fbcoxfordfl.org. So FBC is in First Baptist Church, Oxford. FL is in Florida, and then .org. There you go. It's a great place. I recommend it, and I thank you, my friend, and we'll see you uh, all next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. <music> 